0: fuck you dogs matter nick and chris coming at you from bucks dog training where we are passionate about empowering individuals to reclaim their relationship with their dogs we facilitate effective communication between dogs and their humans enabling them to forge stronger connections and achieve the training goals through our efforts we aim to create a community where everyone can experience the joys of a great life with their dogs Fuck you, Dogs Matter with Nicole. And today we have special guests coming to us from Virginia. We've got Stephanie Loria in the house. And we've got (laughs) Maya, Maya Blankenship. Thank you so much for joining us today. And today we're going to talk about a very important topic. So we get a lot of controversy. And I know if you listen to our podcast from last week regarding... Muzzle conditioning. Today, we're going to take it to the next level, and we're going to talk about the various tools, especially collars. There's so many things that are out there that you can use on your dogs. There's so many tools, from flat collars to prong collars to uh, different type of leashes and you know Martin and I mean you name it, everything under the sun. You there's so many options out there. So we're going to talk about a few of them today. We're going to kind of debunk some myths that are out there about these various tools. We're going to talk about what we recommend and why we recommend them and the things that professionals use because there are a lot of tools out there and if you don't know how to use them properly, just like with any other tool, it's only as good as the handler using that tool. Whether it's a hammer, whether it's uh, a gun, whether it's specific collar, a leash, doesn't matter. It matters who is handling that tool. And that is the important part that we want to make sure that we communicate to everyone: get proficient if you're going to use a tool. Get proficient Absolutely. with it, right before you start just getting something and and causing havoc, because you can create a lot of damage if you're if you're not using it properly. So today we're going to talk about all the various tools that are out there. And one of the simplest tools, most of us, and I won't say hundred percent because there are some people who don't have, but most of us have this tool. We use it every day. It's mm-hmm. so simple that we almost didn't mention it, but it has to be mentioned. It's your voice. You can go up, you can go down, you can <laughs> create excitement, you can mm-hmm. be very calm. There are so many things that you can do with your voice, intonation, pitch, speed, cadence. There's so much that you can do with your voice to create excitement or to create calm. Okay. There's some, some people are very, very good with using their voice. You have to have practice. You have to have patience. You have to know what you're doing. Because if you don't know what you're doing, a lot of times you're actually creating a reaction that you don't want. So people talk to their dogs like kids in a high girly voice. cookie,
1: like, oh, okay, you're so cute. Oh, good, boy, baby, baby. You're just so cute.
0: What is that doing to your dog? Boom, amp that, it amps them up. They get super excited. They go crazy and spastic and they think that that's when they're the happiest and it's really not that's when they're very excited yeah absolutely and what is my mantra about excitement excitement leads to bad choices Mm
2: -hmm.
0: excitement is not happy it leads to bad choices so don't get your dog too excited because just like with people, when they get so excited, sometimes they they can't stop and think. And so then they make really bad choices. So a voice is a great tool and we're gonna talk a little bit about it. As I mentioned, I just chose a couple of little things that uh, that I just demonstrated actually that you can use, but there are so many other ways that you can use this tool. And trust me, it's a tool. I control dogs every day using this tool, every single day. I may not have a leash, there may be no collar on this dog, and I can still control that dog with just this one tool. Using your voice can create excitement, can create drive, can create an out-of-control dog, or it can create a nice, calm, neutral dog who will focus and listen to you. And it's an amazing tool, it's underutilized because there are so many trainers out there who say, oh, nope, just talking a nice, calm, neutral tone of voice. And yes, that is applicable. Very much so in many situations, but there are situations where you're gonna need that tool to startle the dog, to capture their attention, to get them to focus on you. And why would you not use that? I think people, Get so caught up in the hype of, oh, don't yell at your dog, get you know very neutral with your dog. Every command should sound exactly the same. No, Chin. Why? Why should every command sound exactly the same? That's ridiculous. People don't talk in a monotone all day long. Well, maybe some people, but we do not <laughs> talk in a monotone all day long, right? Yeah. So why should you talk to your dogs that way to get them to listen? You, you shouldn't have to. Use your voice. It's there for a reason. And it's highly effective. And so it's, again, a tool that's very underutilized. And there are a lot of different schools of thought. And I understand that. And respect to anyone who can train their dog without using their voice or without, you know, putting the intonation, the cadence, the speed, the pitch, all of that. Kudos to you. And can it be done? 100%. Have I done it? 100%. But does it take longer sometimes? 100%. Yes, it does. So if you want to get results much faster, plus create a little bit of excitement in your dog or create a little bit of calm in your dog, why would you not use your voice? So that's the first tool we're going to talk about. Steph and Maya, any thoughts? Do you want to go Go first? Go Go ahead. Um, So...
2: There are definitely a lot of pros and cons to even just using your voice. Um, Good news is most people have it. There are people that um, cannot speak. Mm -hmm. um, And then there are other tools and hand signals and things that we use that we can still train the dog with. Um, But also deaf dogs as well. We just recently had a deaf dog in named Sadie. So, you know, it is such a valuable tool to the point that you don't even realize how valuable it is. Until you no longer have it yourself to be able to use with, um, you can create an, a positive association with a lot of things, um, but you can also um, correct a behavior, you know, by saying no in your in your in your in your upset, uh, your upset, angry voice, you know, like you mm. you the dog can tell um, yes from no, but it's very difficult to master. I mean, we have caught ourselves even sometimes, and we and we've been doing this for a while. You know, you see such a cute dog, and you're like, "No, that's not okay." And it's like you're saying no, but you're using it in a in a good tone. So your tone is super super important, and we notice that a lot with men, mm-hmm. as well with like come recall. What do they do? It's i said come and it's like you know make your dog want to come to you i wouldn't want to come to you if you were talking to me like that no offense but like it it is a very um a, a very valuable tool to use and even um you know you can also scare scare a dog as well i think that that's that can't that's also a con is not a lot of people realize as well are you screaming at your dog and does the dog understand what you're saying or is it just is the dog just taking in all of this emotion, like being really aware of the tool that a lot of people have and how to use that on a on a day-to-day basis, but doing it in a way that is good for both you and your dog. I mean, you don't always have a tool, for instance, like with off leash recall, you know, you want that dog to listen to just your voice sometimes, because what if you have the remote inside or, um, I mean, anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes Uh, there might be a situation, sorry, uh, there might be a situation where, you know, like you said, you don't have the remote or it's something just immediately something happens and you need that voice to be able to get that dog's attention. Like they're about to dart in front of a car or, or they're about to go attack something and you can see it happening and you can't get to the tool fast enough. Guess what? You have a tool right here. You can use that tool to get your dog to focus on you. I do it all the time. Like my house crew, I rarely have to use the e-collar. I mean, I can tone them, yeah, 100%. But I use my voice, they stop on a dime. They stop on a dime because they know 100%. If they don't, there will be a consequence. 100%, there will be a consequence. But also, I've gotten them conditioned that when I raise my voice to them, they know they're doing something wrong and they better stop right there and come report to me like, okay, oh shoot, I just did something. what I do wrong, mom? what I do? It's a great
1: tool. One of the things I wanted to add is that as dog trainers, we like to uh, really train dogs in different settings and definitely work on their duration, no matter the distraction. What we find oftentimes with owners is when a dog is uh, doing a said command, they start uh, verbalizing and congratulating the dog mid command, mm-hmm. encouraging the dog to break the command mm-hmm. by being overly excited. So, yes, a dog for a sit. As a dog trainer, right, we want to mark that and say, yes, sit, for example. But the owners are like, oh, cookie, great sit, good sit, you're so smart. The dog starts getting all excited and mm-hmm. the dog breaks the command. So really being mindful of the uh, our, our inflection and what we're wanting, waiting to the dog completes the command before we're giving them that excitement. The other thing about our voice that I just wanted to mention, and it's so important in dog training, is marking the yes and the no,
0: mm-hmm. right? So
1: timing is everything. We could probably do a whole podcast just on marking behavior, but mm-hmm. you don't always have a clicker, you don't always have an e-collar, you don't always have a leash on the dog, so using your words to mark that behavior. So for us, ideally, as soon as the task is being completed that we want, we are going to say yes or no, right, depending on what's going on, and then we want to deliver a some sort of reward or consequence in a timely manner. The voice mm-hmm allows us to do that and let the dogs know, yes, that's exactly what we want, or no, that's unacceptable. So really just a valuable tool with marker training as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That is so true. Um, Anyone else have any other comments on the voice before we move on to our next tool?
2: Um, I think the uh, the only other thing I can really think of is um also like when we're working the distance, distraction, and duration, you're in competition with a lot of other things. You're in competition with toys and stomping and loud noises. And your voice, if it can be heard, is a very important tool that the dog can t- use to like tune into you. But also a-, a con is what if you're sick one day, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have and you don't have your voice, what other tools do you have so i think that's kind of a good segue as far as before we get into um a lot of these tools is you know don't don't take your voice for granted for sure with these dogs because you may have it one day but you never know when you're going to get sick you never know um what's going to happen so uh, don't take it for granted
1: that's a good point maya you know we did have a, a client uh who did have throat cancer and uh was not really able to project at all. His mm-hmm. voice was, you know, very, very low. And so we worked on a lot of these other tools. But it's it's good to know that, you know, there are many, we want to give our dogs as much chance of being successful. So for us, right, we use voice, we we use uh any collar with a tone, we use hand signals, right? We use our body in different ways to communicate what we're asking of them. So Many opportunities to respond, I like to call it, to help our dogs be successful is what we're shooting for. Great communication.
0: Absolutely. And so that segues nicely into some of the other tools that are available. If you do not have a voice that you can use or you can't modulate your voice for medical reasons or for any type of physiological reason, there are any number of tools out there. We're going to cover just a few of them today, but there are so many others that we will try and cover maybe on later podcasts or on some of our lives. But right now you can see I have on the screen for those who can't see, you can always do a search and you'll be able to find them. Uh, For those who are able to see the video, I have examples of some of the things that we're going to be talking about just what we call a flat collar. That's any collar. It can be leather, it can be nylon, it can be any material pretty much that can be buckled around the dog's neck. And typically they tend to be very loose, sometimes way too loose because the dog can slip out of it very quickly and easily. So not the best tool to control your dog if you have a dog who likes to run away. Also, if they like to pull, a lot of times these, Collars can create uh, a choking in the dog because they're pulling so hard that it's creating so much pressure that the dogs end up choking themselves. And you'll hear them coughing and hacking because there's so much pressure being put on their throat or trachea that they can't even breathe. So that's one example right here is the flat collars. The first thing that you see right underneath that is a martingale where it's similar to a choke where it does tighten up and then it loosens as soon as there's no more pressure. And we'll go into a little bit more detail. So I'm just gonna explain at a high level what these collars are, and then we're gonna delve deeper into each of them. So again, the flat collar is just a exactly what it says, just a flat collar that you wrap, you put around a dog's uh, neck. The martingale provides a little bit of, a little bit better control because it does contract and tighten, but then also loosens whenever the leash pressure goes away. And then we have a choke chain which is typically metal and that's where similar to like a slip leash where there's one end that sticks out the other end tightens up as you pull on the uh, side that has the leash connected to it and you can see here it's the uh, one where it's all metal there's a, there's a circle or a loop that the other chain comes through and the leash goes on the end that is sticking out. And then as you pull and put pressure on that leash, it contracts this entire circle around the dog's neck, which can often choke a dog, hence the term choke collar. Then below that, you'll see prong collars. And we have a couple of different examples. We've got just a generic prong collar. You can see it's just spikes all around with, uh with a connector here, connector chain with a round and a D, you can see it looks almost like a D because there's a flat area and then there's a circle. So again, if you can't see this search, you can probably search Amazon and find all these things uh, or just Google it. But a prong collar, a generic version of a prong collar is not as effective because of the way the prongs are all going in the same direction. There is, no spacer in between like this one, where the prongs go completely around from two separate directions. Uh, you can see on this, which is the Herm spring, which is the kind only kind that we use, uh, they are brilliant. They designed this collar so that you have the spacer in between and you've got one set of prongs going in one direction, another set going in the opposite direction. And then what this allows is even pressure to be dispersed throughout the entire neck. And then this part is the same where they're connected. So you have a chain that connects them, again, around loop and then a D-ring. So the Herm Springer is just designed better. It's also better quality. And the other thing that you can't see is clearly, but if you were to zoom in, these prongs, are rounded the tips are rounded so they don't dig in there's nothing really pointy or sharp about them which is great and most of the other generic ones are not going to be designed quite quite that safely and then the last thing we're going to go over is the e-collar and that is an electronic collar e stands for electronic and there are everything from shock collars to Invisible fence collars to uh, stim collars is what we call it. Just also vibration collars or pager collars they call it. So there's a variety of collars out there that you can use. And again, we'll we'll talk in in more depth. Some of them have GPS components to it. Some of them go up to you know a couple of miles for the really hardcore ones, especially for uh, sport dogs. If you have a hunting dog or a sport dog, they're you know they have some out there that cost ten grand or more, but you can see there's a variety. If you were to search for e collars, there's a variety that you could you could uh, take a look at. But going back to the flat collar, Steph, Amaya, any comments on that?
2: You want to go first on this
0: one? Yeah, sure. So you know, flat collars
1: primarily they're for identification only. Mm -hmm. Right, We find as trainers, what, probably 80% of the time, maybe higher, they are fitted incorrectly that dogs can back out of them very, very easily. Mm -hmm. The rule of thumb is to really only be able to get two fingers underneath that collar. And ideally, a flat collar is used on a dog who's already doing what you want, is well trained, is trained by voice, is trained by commands you can work on changing directions, but you really can't administer a correction uh, in a way that we would like to see it done with a flat collar. So we say for flat collars ideally are for identification purposes only, your rabies tag, your identification tag, also something that sometimes you will use to hook up another collar too as a backup if that other collar fails, and we'll talk about that when we get to the
2: prong collars.
0: Mm-hmm. Great um, points.
2: And then, uh, just I'm a little passionate about this whole flat collar thing from my shelter experience because um, flat collars really are when we're talking about being used as a form of identification. Um, that that is primarily exactly what that is only supposed to be designed for. Um, if your dog gets out, say it gets out your front door. If your dog does not have a flat collar on, um, the wait time before that dog can get gets adopted out gets reduced by day. Like it's crazy. You have about, about five days that you can go and find your dog, um, before they could potentially adopt it out. Um, and, but if the dog has the collar on you, most of the time you'll have two weeks, um, to be able to find your dog, the, the tags will be on them. Um, they're cheap which is nice, but also, you know, we have also had owners as well that, that feel so bad for even like, you know, my dog has to sleep with the flat collar on. Is that going to be annoying to them? How does that feel to them? And it's like, it, there, there is just a general line and there should be a general understanding of safety for a dog. Um, a flat collar is a great tool to have on your dog for safety purposes. Um, but also it is not really a tool. It does a lot, you can do a lot of damage on a flat collar, especially with specific breeds. Um, if you are just walking a pug on a flat collar, that that is issue. There's is so much pressure being put against that trachea um, and any flat faced dog already naturally has a harder time breathing. So, you know, I feel like we should really push to use the use the collar for what it's meant to be used for, which is just identification.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely great and then the martingale you can see is next on the list and that is similar to a flat collar except it has the ability to tighten similar to like a prong collar the prong collar is basically a martingale because a martingale the the design of it is it's loose until you put pressure on the leash and then it tightens so technically a, a prong collar is a martingale collar which most people don't realize, but it, it's the same concept, it's the same technology, so to speak. Uh, the difference is the Martingale collar is similar to a flat collar in that it's, it's flat, it's made of typically nylon or leather um, or metal and it tends to not disperse the pressure as evenly as a prong collar. So the mm-hmm. design of the prong collar is definitely a little bit more superior in that respect. Uh, but it is definitely a step up from the flat collar as far as being able to work and train a dog. Any comments?
2: Um, Sorry, I just realized I said um again. <laughs> the, the only other comment that I really have to add on that me personally is the fact that just reminding people it is not a flat collar. Mm-hmm. There has been a lot of people that keep the Martingale collar on their dog 24 seven, and that is a safety hazard. Um, It is a tool, it is supposed to be used for leash walking, not just all around the house. Um, They can get stuck very, very easily. It's just, it's a tightening tool. You're upping your chances of an accident happening and it is, just use it for what it's meant to be used for.
1: Yeah, ideally with a martingale, if you get one that does have uh, the chain and say the fabric, Mm -hmm. If you work with the dog enough, once they start to even hear that chain start to tighten, they realize, oh, the pressure is coming. Let me back off. Let me get more in a proper heel position to avoid the uncomfortable feeling. So for us, you know, pressure on, pressure off in the best way, the uh, most humane way that we can teach that is what we're shooting for. Not all dogs need or would use or even succeed with all tools. And that's Mm -hmm. what I love about our program is that we take a look at the dog and we say, Mm -hmm. hey, from least restrictive tool to most restrictive tool, what is gonna get this dog to understand and to really work with us Mm -hmm. and succeed in the fastest manner and be able to do it reliably? We had a dog that had a martingale on; She just went home today They had it on her as a flat collar. Her tags were on it. Her head got too big for this collar. We had a heck of a time having to take it off of her. And it just showed us that that is something that we want to educate clients about. You really never want any of these training tools on your dogs when they're left alone because they can get caught in something and could be a hazard. So you know we're all about education and training. And that's why we're so just happy to be
0: doing this presentation today. Thank you. Appreciate that. And that's a great point because not every Martingale collar will have a snap like this, a quick snap release. A lot of Martingale Martingale collars are designed to just slip right over the head and to tighten. And again, if you're leaving it on your dog all the time as they grow and they get bigger and bigger, a lot of times you cannot get that thing off of them unless you try and cut it off. And if it's metal you're gonna have a heck of a time mm-hmm. getting that thing off. So always be cognizant of what tool you have on your dog and can you safely get that tool off. So the next thing on our list is a choke chain. And you can see again, there's a chain that where one end is actually going through a ring and then you have a bigger ring on the other end. So can't just slip completely out. Uh, And this is also one of those, you have to be really careful because there was no release on this one. There's no uh, clip or a way to get this thing off other than it's sliding on and off your dog's head. And if your dog outgrows this chain and it's metal, you're going to have a heck of a time getting this thing off. You're going to need some metal cutters to get this thing off. And you know hopefully your dog will allow you to do that because otherwise this is a death sentence because if that dog gets big enough and you don't have a way to get this chain off eventually it's going to choke them literally to death because they are going to grow their neck is going to get bigger and this thing is not going to be able to accommodate that so always 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 be careful so rule number one and steph and maya do you have anything further that you'd like to add about these
1: yeah. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's cheap, right? You you can get them pretty much anywhere. Uh, I want to say you never leave any of these tools on your dog uh, for an extended period of time, ex- especially this, but to use this tool correctly, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just not easy. The correction is supposed to be down, right? And when mm-hmm. you're walking a dog, if you're trying to Get a downward pressure on the back of the neck, rather than that pressure on the trachea. It's a. It's a, you have to be very skilled to utilize this, and uh, we don't we don't recommend it at all. Like you said, there is no safety. If it gets caught on something, it just tightens, tightens, tightens. Uh, the way that you administer the correction is not easy for the average person. Uh, so this is not one uh, that that we would recommend at all. But, you know, we like to talk about all of them. And before I knew better, I had worked with these chains. Uh, I'm glad I know better and I don't use them anymore, but we do see people who do often still use them. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And again, I think it also plays into knowing your dog. Yes. There is a tool for every dog. Mm -hmm. This tool may work great for one dog, but it is not going to work great for every dog. And that goes for every tool on this list. Yes. And again, also knowing your breed, mm-hmm. this is not going to be something for a flat faced dog. It's yeah. just not, it is a huge safety hazard. So know your breed, do your research, find out what tools is going to work best for you and your dog.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. And yeah, just like we said earlier, any tool in the right hands can be fantastic in the wrong hands. It can be devastating. All right. So next, we are going into the prong collars. So for me, it's a tool. I use it. It's not necessarily my most favorite tool. I I use it when necessary, and I think there are a lot of, a lot of dogs who come in where it is one hundred percent necessary, especially if you have a really big dog who likes to pull and that could be a very dangerous situation where they can be dragging you, they can run into traffic and you have no way of controlling them. Uh, they can literally make you fall down because they're pulling so hard, you could potentially you know, harm yourself because of, of the fall. And I've had a lot of dogs who have come in because they've done just that, not necessarily with a prong collar, but they pulled so hard that they pulled their human down And Mm -hmm. the human's broken an arm, broken a leg, broken some kind of bone, uh, or gotten really hurt in the process because here's his big dog, sees something, takes off. And then if you're not prepared for that and able to take that launch, you're going to end up flying to the ground typically. And again, if you're not prepared and you land wrong, that's going to be a world of hurt. So prong collars help save you from that experience. It helps save dogs from running out of traffic or getting hit or doing any number of dangerous things, uh, even potentially running up to the wrong dog. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of applications where prong collars do save lives, and it's a great tool. Do I use it every day? No. Do I use it when I absolutely needed? 100% I will, yes. Um, I I find that this tool is highly effective if used properly. But this is also one of those tools, if not used properly, can create harm. So know your tool, know how to use that tool. And if you don't know how, please, for the love of God, seek the help of a professional who actually knows how to use the tool. Because there are a lot of people who will tell you they know how to use it but they oftentimes mismanage or misuse it. So go to someone credible, find out that they actually know how to use the tool and have them demonstrate how to use it. So that's my two cents on prong collars. Yes, they're a great tool. Yes, you know I do like using them with the right application. Is it my most favorite tool? Me personally, no, but a lot of people swear by them. And do I use it when needed? Oh, yes. It saved my arm a time or two. That's for sure. Steph and Maya? Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot.
2: (laughs) No, it's not. Okay. (laughs) So I really enjoy that you can get a timely correction with a prong collar, Mm -hmm. especially with some of the cases we get in, timing really is everything. And also for new owners that perhaps have no experience with an e collar for them to, of course, when we're going over with them during the turnovers, how to properly use a prong collar, I think that once they understand it, they can administer a more timely correction. And for some, it is easier for them to pick up than, say, an e collar so mm-hmm. I do like that, and I love the fact that it gives universal pressure all the way around. But again, it's knowing your tool. A Harm Springer is going to be a hundred percent different than the ones people get from Tractor Supply, from the quality down to the tips. And if you don't know what you have and/or how to properly use it, you can cause damage. Yes, there is absolute truth to that. And even with with some springers. If, Any tool in wrong hands can do harm, but it is also a much safer option for some breeds as well, because the pressure is dispersed all around the neck. So I think that that is a huge, huge benefit to a prong collar. Now they do get a bad rap. They -hmm. look big and bad, they look menacing, Mm -hmm. Um, but if they're properly sized, And if they're placed properly on the neck and you know how to properly use it, it can still be a great tool. Mm -hmm. Um, And my only last thing that I wanted to to mention on that as well is uh, metal allergies. There are Mm -hmm. some dogs, we've had some dogs that come in with metal allergies. Mm -hmm. So a prong collar may not necessarily be the best tool to use for a dog that has metal allergies. Same with the choke pain.
0: Mm-hmm. but it the same stuff. well there are no. alternatives too you can put uh mm-hmm. rubber tips on them it cha- it does impact the effectiveness of it absolutely but you can do that if you have a dog who's pulling excessively and you still need to control the dog but they have a analogy to metal so there are options and i always tell people yes i 100 agree with you it looks like a torture device 100 because that's what People say all the time, like, you know, you're torturing the dog. It looks like a torture device. I'm like, yeah, it does. Absolutely. hundred percent. I agree with you. You know, there's these spikes that are, you know, coming out from this collar and it's digging into the neck and yeah, it sounds like a torture device. It looks like one, but have you ever worn one? I have, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I have videos of it without any tips on there, without the rubber tips to blunt it. I've put it on my own neck and I've pulled really, really hard, harder than I typically will use on any dog because I wanted to feel what it felt like. And it didn't puncture my neck. And trust me, our necks are much more fragile than a dog's neck. It did not puncture. I was still able to breathe. I was still able to talk normally. So it really is a very effective tool, again when fitted and used properly.
1: Yeah, I guess I just would want to add a few things that we find with our clients and and just in general. Uh, A, that how a correction is administered, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people uh, pull, 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 pull. That is the last thing in the world you want to do with a prong column. You want the correction to be uh, quick, and straight up and then a release of pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're pulling, pulling, pulling on that prong collar that is defeating the purpose, that's not the way it's designed and that is not gonna communicate to your dog, pressure on, pressure off. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that I like to educate people on and talk about is that, and we know this, prong collars can fail, even the Mm -hmm. best. Those prongs over time can come loose and that's why they have what's called a prong saver, most people don't know about prong savers, so we educate them. Mm-hmm. That goes on the O-ring, not the D-ring. And we also uh, can cl- connect that to the uh, to the regular collar. Or we can even put it on the leash and put it on the D-ring. But you want to make sure that there's a backup on the prong collar. The other thing about prong collars is if they're the ones with the alligator, alligator clips, and you have uh, arthritis or not good fine motor skills, it can be very hard to loop it through and get them on and off. And if you have a prong collar that you're slipping over a dog's head with the prongs that can be getting in their eyes, that's probably not a good fit anyway because the collar needs to be high and tight, right just behind the ears. So you know fit, function, uh, safety, how to administer a correction, really really high on my list if i'm going to educate an owner on how to use that particular tool
0: absolutely and we've had videos where we've demonstrated how to use a prong collar and how to administer a proper correction with it and we will continue to put content like that out there because to us that's important if you're going to use a tool know how to use it properly don't cause damage to your dog because you feel you know how to use it properly without even doing a little bit of research or talking to a professional. Yep. That's my two cents. <laughs> All right, e-collars. Now, I will tell you, this is this is one of my favorite tools. I love using an e-collar because for me, it gives you control, very precise communication, and again, going to be based on the handler how good are you at using any tool you can get this tool to the point where you can fine-tune any obedience command. where you can lock in off-leash obedience where you can learn to trust your dog in any situation and it gives very very precise clear communication to your dog that's why I love this tool. I use it every day. I use it on all of my dogs. Well, most of my dogs. There are a couple that don't need don't need this tool because my voice is enough. But I will say, even those dogs that I know are really rock solid, when we go out in public, I will still put a knee collar on them. Even though I may never use it, I like knowing that I have the option. Just like a seatbelt, you always wanna have it even if you don't need it and then not have it when you do need it, right? So it's great safety for me to have this tool available, even if I don't use it. Because if it ever comes to a point where I need it, I know 100% it's reliable because I put the work in. i conditioned the dog to understand this communication tool and it is 100% reliable when you have conditioned a dog to make it 100% reliable. It doesn't just come out of the box and your dog knows exactly what it is. It's a tool. You have to condition and train your dog to understand what exactly this tool does and how it works and teach them what communication style you are using this tool for. And just like with other tools like the prong collar, you've got your good, your bad, and your ugly. You've got your cheap, you've got your really expensive, they've got a lot of different functionalities. You know, there are some that are made for specific applications like sport dog, hunting dogs. Uh, there are some with GPS components to it. You can get any of them from probably as cheap as like 20 bucks to as expensive as like over $10,000 per e collar. So there is a variety for you to choose from. And we're gonna talk about the one that we specifically use. It's the Mini Educator from eCollar Technologies. And we have a generic version up here. So you can see a picture of of a generic version. Uh, I don't even know this generic version brand. There's hundreds of them out there. Uh, We chose the Mini Educator eCollar because it's kind of got the best of everything that we're looking for. It's small, it's easy, it's user-friendly. It fine-tunes your communication because it has a hundred different levels. So you can micro change. It's got micro levels so you can really fine-tune that communication with your dog. There's a lot of versatility involved with it. It's got a tone, it's got a vibration and it also has the stim, which is the exact same technology as a Tinge unit. And we utilize this tool every day. We love it especially for that off-leash work, but also to really get everything just tight, like the off-leash heel, or even just a regular heel, getting each command to be precise and tight and looking professional, to get the dog to understand pressure on, pressure off is the same process as using leash pressure, pressure on, pressure off, using that prong collar, pressure on, pressure off, same concept, but now there's no physical leash. It's like a virtual leash. And it's, again, in the right hands. You know how to use it. It is a fabulous tool. But can it be abused? 100%. And there are people out there abusing it. It's also why a lot of countries are banning it because they can't trust people to use it properly. So instead, they decide to ban the tool entirely. And unfortunately, that's creating havoc because now you've got, dogs out there who could potentially have been saved by using this tool that are being euthanized because handlers can't use a tool that could help save a dog and said dogs are ending up in shelters and dying because they're not even able to use the tool if it was even available. So that's a whole nother topic. We're not going to get into that too much today. So Today, we're going to just really talk about the pros and cons of the e-collar and why we use it. And I've gone into why personally I love it and why I use it. But with that, I want to hand it over to Steph and Maya to share their thoughts. I'll go Uh, pros. I
1: also am a huge fan of the e-collar. I actually became a dog trainer because I knew what a powerful tool it was. And I had done as much reading and research and stuff that I could do on my own. And I still wanted another level of expertise because I knew it was a powerful tool and I didn't want to create any harm. So I really did a deep dive and really got better and better with the tool. And I still feel like I have a lot to learn in becoming an expert with the e-collar. But for us, we are lucky enough to have an 18-acre farm here. When we take dogs into our care, the first thing that we teach them is recall, not just because we love recall, which we do, especially me, but because it's a life-saving command, right? So we work tirelessly to get our dogs off leash shrimp. and that e-collar just affords us the communication with that dog in an environment where they can roam and run all 18 acres and we can get them back reliably no matter the distraction. So the other thing on e-collars that, you know, is important information is that you get what you pay for. You know, the ones that have like six, six different options does not have that nuance where you can go up slowly and come down slowly. It's either like a little tap or a throw you off the bridge nothing in between. You know, we love the tone feature that we condition. We work so hard with the dogs with the tone that they know what that means, that 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 is our communication. Uh, We love it because we can communicate with them from a distance, but we can also use it with them in close proximity. Very rarely will I use an e-collar when I have a dog on a leash, but there are times if I'm working at heel I'll hit a tone and let them know I'm changing directions or administer a low level correction if they're pulling out in front of the heel. Again, for me, I like giving my dog many opportunities to figure out what it is that I want them to do that is successful, that is right on the mark. And the e-collar can just give them precise information and the timing is really impeccable. So uh, I love the features. On the e-collar that we use, right? It's waterproof. It has a light on it. Uh, we we put a, a a snap collar on it, so it's easy on, easy off. Ah, uh, just really user friendly. You know, those those are a lot of the the pros. Uh, and people say, oh, when can I take it off? You know, I loved your analogy of a seatbelt. Uh, for me, I have four dogs. Three of them wear an e-collar every day and one of them never wears an e collar. You know what, but on a big farm, I may not see them. They may get distracted by a squirrel. I wanna make sure that I can get them back. If they're playing too rough, I can give them a tone and tell them, hey, take that down a few notches. They know what that means. I I mean, it's just, it's a game changer. It's really a game changer. What about Mm -hmm. you,
2: Maya? Um, Yeah, I mean, all of those things. And I would also add the fact that a deaf dog as well, Mm -hmm. you have to be very, very specific with your pressure on and off. But also we didn't, we couldn't use the tone option for her. So Mm -hmm. being able to vibrate her, for her commands, for, you know, one, one vibrate sit, one vibrate down, being able to have communication with her through touch because she could not hear was a very, it changed the whole, the the whole entire game for us. Mm still be able to communicate with her properly, but also still be able to correct her and have her understand why she was corrected. Uh, Some of the the cons that I would say is just, you know, with any tool, again, there is improper use. A lot of people uh, don't even know the difference between a shock collar and say a STEM collar the one that we use has a much different voltage than say a military grade or an in-ground fence. It is just like a, a TENS unit and they even have the micros that have less. So you pay for what you get. If you only have a few settings, check your voltage, see how high that high really is. Put it on yourself. See what it feels like. We put them on ourselves and all the clients, a lot of the times on turnover, just so that way they can really understand to not feel bad to hit that stem because it's not what people are associating it to be. And a lot of that is terminology. Absolutely. Now, that being said, to a good e-caller is going to be a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Not everybody necessarily has that, but all of the benefits, I think, for me to be able to have my dog off leash and the freedom of that to be able to trust him through our bonding and relationship to be able to have my dog off leash at a beach. And I know I can get my dog back and communicate with him, even in the house. If he barks and giving him a tone and telling him to be quiet. Yes. I'm talking about you, buddy. <laughs> the communication <laughs> is so <laughs> important to have and the quality really is everything. Mm-hmm. I think just keeping in mind for owners as well the to rotate the collar I think that that is something that you know with doing your day-to-day life sometimes you can easily forget but you want to have it on the sides of the neck not the throat not the spine and to always keep an eye on it it is a tool
0: Mm -hmm. but that
2: that that, that's about all that I really have and you know I love keeping it on on my dog all the time the benefits just and and safety even it -hmm. just outweighs so the option of not having it on my dog
0: exactly i mean we do recommend taking it off at night charging it up because it does Mm -hmm. at least the ones that we use it does it will hold a charge for up to three days they say but that is dependent on you know how cold it is how warm it is how often you use it And then, as you mentioned, rotating, but also the fit, I find the biggest Mm -hmm. mistake people make when they finally start to use this is they don't make it tight enough. It's so Mm -hmm. loose on the dog that it's making no contact. And then they're like, well, this doesn't work. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, let's take a look at all of the options. User error is usually the biggest one. And is it fit properly? Mm -hmm. Is it positioned properly? Okay, and you know, Mm -hmm. after all of that's kind of taken care of, okay, now, how are you using it? Are you doing just a tone? Are you doing just a vibrate? Are you actually saying the word no and then offering the consequence? Or are you just saying no and threatening your dog by showing the remote and saying, you better listen? You better listen. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be effective. It's doing nothing. It's just threatening your dog with a potential consequence, but they can still get away with whatever they're getting away with. So there's no, you know, it's improper training.
2: Also, also the, atti- like what I love is that I had so many options with buddy, as far as tips, you know, you have the comfort tips, you have the regular tips, you have the long tips, you have hyperallergenic. And he just so happened to be one of those dogs that had a very severe, like allergic reaction to the collar, but we still have rubber tips on that. Mm-hmm. I can still communicate with my dog. And there were so many options, even for a dog like him, who was allergic to even the hyperallergenic. Mm-hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, so to to know that there are so many options for me to have with him to still have that awful freedom, Mm -hmm. absolutely was impeccable.
0: Yeah, and that's fantastic. So we covered a lot today. We will cover some more on other tools. If there's any tools that anyone specifically has an interest in debunking or getting, you know, more information about, please let us know. You can email us. You can text us. You can comments on our YouTube posts, as well as on our social media posts. We will take a look at that and we will talk about it and uh, let you know at least our opinion, if we have any, if we've actually used the tool. If not, we will let you know that as well. And, you know, thank you, everyone, for joining Steph and Maya. really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and continuing this journey with me for the month of January as we talk about various tools, how to use them, should they be used, when should they be used, and how should they be used. I think that is vitally important information that we need to get out there, that people need to understand, especially when they have a dog that they are having a problem training, they can't get the results that they're looking for, and oftentimes it can be because of the tool, and improper usage so thank you again so much and we will see everyone next week take care guys have a great night